0: I think easily the most terrifying of the leadership principles is seek responsibility and take responsibility for your actions. (laughs) They just kind of flop that one out there. It's like, really? (laughs) Like you want me to do both of those things at the same time? Yes. Yes. That is. Mm. And if you have any aversion to risk, then that one is not going to help you (laughs) because that is all about risk. It's like, Hey, go look for something that you can take responsibility for. And then however it goes, own the result. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Are you kidding me? (laughs) These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice. From folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. I have a very, very special guest, a person who's extremely special to me, and that is Major Mark Vloshin. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. How would you like to introduce yourself? Ooh, well, um, I guess, <laughs> what an interesting question. Um, I, I guess, uh, I mean, at its most basic, um, I am a former Marine. I am now a, a state employee for uh, here in, in the great state of Nevada. Um, I'm a husband and father to three rapidly growing young boys. Um, Probably about as good starting point and definition as any.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, our history goes back to 2010, where you were the, the staff platoon commander for the platoon that trained me at the basic school in Quantico, Virginia, mm-hmm. as a, a very, very young second lieutenant. <laughs> good times for sure. Yeah. Um, some of them were good. <laughs> <laughs> No, but in in all seriousness, um, Mark was an extraordinary trainer of of leaders. And he did that by embodying the leadership traits and principles that the Marine Corps set forth. And that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And we do have the 59th election of the United States coming up on us, and I wanted to take the time today to go through the leadership traits um, with Major Velocion because he taught these traits to me in, in great detail and great depth and often with, with incredible amounts of pain um, to ensure that I remembered these lessons. <laughs> and I, I carry them in, in all kinds of ways uh, through my life today. And I think it's important for us to be able to recognize leadership traits in people that we might be voting on to lead, say, our country.
1: Excellent, excellent intro, and uh, yeah, that, that was a very unique and uh, I would say important time in all of our development, and I know while, while you referenced your being a student at that time, I, I will attest that uh, I think my own leadership uh, probably grew as much, if not more, as as everybody in the platoons did during those, those six months that we were together, um, but yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll start with, if it's okay, a little background on the leadership traits and principles. I'd love that just to, to help frame and, and, and define before we discuss. Um, so leadership traits and principles, uh, these the 14 leadership uh, tra- traits and the 11 leadership principles um, are actually not unique to the Marine Corps. Uh, after a, and this is something I researched a long time ago, they actually were developed by the army uh, back in, in like the late 40s, right after World War II. And it started with, if I remember right, actually, the 11 leadership principles. Um, the idea behind these these traits and principles is that they're they're basically a list. Uh, the traits are all single words, and the principles that I'll go over here in a minute are kind of simple phrases. Um, and the idea is that um, for the military at the time, they, they're trying to figure out a way to improve leadership in a somewhat codified manner., uh, the idea being that if you get a group of people together and you're like, all right, you're all about to become officers in the military, and we want you to be good leaders. Um, you know, kind of getting your hands around what exactly that means and, and trying to provide them with a, a list of, of terms they could reference, you know, during training and throughout their careers uh, to kind of, you know, look back on and, and really use to, to assess their own leadership and, and the leadership of others. So to start off uh, with the 14 leadership traits, um, there, there's a, oh, I think it's an acronym or a memory aid at any rate um, that you probably, maybe some folks have heard called JJ did tie buckle. Uh, and that is, let's see if I can remember them judgment, justice, dependability, integrity, decisiveness, tact, initiative, enthusiasm, bearing, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and endurance. So those are the, the 14 leadership traits. Um, and maybe we'll talk about those first, uh, if it's okay, before diving into the principles. Yeah, I think that's
0: great. And, uh, Man, you threw me for a loop there because you remembered them in a different order than I did. Oh, so when <laughs> when you got too enthusiastic first, I
1: was like, "Oh crap, I'm trying to remember these now." <laughs> yeah, they uh, yeah, I understand, and, and you're right. Actually, I think there's a handful of letters that can be exchanged uh, in there. So it's, um, but yeah, so these 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 traits by themselves, right? Fairly 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 simple in the definition, and it, it's not just. You know, to kind of the way I always framed it when I was there at the basic school is, you know, first, let's learn what the terms are and then memorize them, uh, you know, courtesy of Application Trail and, and the other places um, where we've got significant amounts of time kind of marching around and stuff. Um, and, and then the goal was to to continue to increase our awareness of how, you know, out of those 14 traits, you know, kind of which ones are, are we strong in? Uh, and which ones do we need to maybe work on? Um, and, that, and that's something you know, in that context especially was was really you know as as new marine officers and you know really even before that when I was learning about them at first as a young non commissioned officer even really before that um, you know as kind of a new leader in a military environment. But this the great thing about these traits and principles is they really really are like they transcend organization, they transcend the military. Um, and everyone absolutely can use these. And, and I personally have, you know, not to say that I'm, I'm not only a client, but I'm also a, or not only the, the president, but also a client in this sort of thing. But, um, like I, you know, I use this to, to analyze my own, you know, shortcomings as a as a parent, as a husband. And, you know, certainly even as a, a now retired Marine, you know, working in state government, you know, what areas can I continue to improve upon? And I think tying it back to what you said at first with the election coming up. Uh, these, these certainly are a way, a, a tool that could be used to, you know, I mean, everything from your local, you know, uh, improvement district, or, you know, if you're looking at the ballot and trying to figure out who, you know, who should be the on the next mosquito board or, you know, a county commissioner board, or really any any type elected official, any leader, um, this, this list of traits and these principles are, are a great tool to kind of think about, look at the individuals, kind of read over some things that they've said, and and just kind of make your own decisions about, you know, what, who's got strengths and weaknesses in what area. Um, again, regardless of party or even quite a frankly position. Uh, I remember there was a time uh, when my kids was like a youth soccer coach or something. I was like, what is it with this guy that I can't stand? And uh, I couldn't put my finger on it until I, you know, kind of, I was like, wait a minute, I, I have a tool exactly for this. And I kind of <laughs> <laughs> rattled off the list and I'm like, ah, there it is. Like, that's what this, this guy, like, he's just completely... Failing in these two areas, and that okay, that that put it into a good context. So I'm like, all right, um, and, and it's not just, I guess I should say too, not just a means to judge people or yourself, right? Like the idea isn't that you say, oh wait, this individual lacks uh, bearing. Okay, clearly he's you know not fit to be you know uh, you know in this elected position or that one or something. It, it's really just more of a way to again identify strengths and weaknesses because I I suspect that if anybody looked at these lists and we're, were truly honest with themselves, I think we would all find in, in our various capacities, you know, areas that we can continue to improve upon and, you know, in, you know shortcomings or strengths at one time that maybe were weaknesses at others. And,
0: and I fully agree that as people listen to this, they're going to realize that these traits and principles are not specific to military leadership, although they are utilized and defined within military terms. These are the traits that you
1: can look for in any leader of fellow human beings. Exactly. Oh, I'm sure. And and in fact, you know, along those lines, I mean, in your capacity as a guide, and I'm certain there are times that you've been guided by others. uh, And I'm certain there were probably traits that stuck out in in other individuals that you've watched and and observed. Um, But in in your own professional capacity recently, has there been a a trait maybe, and not to put you on the spot so quickly, but uh, (laughs) that maybe uh, that stuck out more than others? You know, I think
0: one of the most critical traits as a guide is judgment um, because you're in such a dynamic environment and decisions need to be made quickly. Of course, decisiveness is going to fall under that, but you have to make good judgment decisions and that is going to fall back into technical and tactical proficiency. You know, it, as we go through this, it's going to be become very apparent that you need all of these and. And like you said, nobody has them all in in a perfect amount. We could all stand to improve in one category, multiple categories. Um, but judgment is something that I feel like is absolutely essential as a guide.
1: Amazing. Yeah. You know, I was thinking originally that, that you were going to say something along the lines of knowledge, right? Because especially given the, the wide breadth of the areas that you go to, you know, the skills that you need in one location very much depend on that location and, and making sure that you're aware of. You know, whether it's a certain you know, type of fish, for example, that you're after, I'm sure there's a specific knowledge set that will work very well in one place or another. But then I guess I could also see, right, like I'm, I'm certain there have been times when, you know, maybe you're out on a fairly long trip and uh, maybe it's somehow like 32 degrees and raining where maybe enthusiasm might be a little bit more <laughs> you know, important to kind of keep everyone's spirits up and, and maybe you know, work through the, the mental adversity. Well, let's get into it. Okay, absolutely. So in, in addition to the, uh, the leadership traits, and again, the, the, the way like I, I to go back a little bit, um, the way I would frame it is that we would learn them, memorize these 14, and then again, use it as a lens, really, to, to look both inside and then externally. The traits that were kind of the, the starting point, I think. But, but just like you said, right, every one of those is, is quite important. Uh, and there's certainly a, a lot of really good discussion you could have about each one of those, and you know, at what time is it more applicable? Like we just touched on, right, with with enthusiasm being more important perhaps at certain times. You know, if it's a if it's two in the morning and everyone's exhausted and frustrated, maybe it is more important to keep your bearing. You know, or or if if you're at the end of a a 10 or 15 day event and it's been you know mentally and physically grueling, and you know everyone's starving and you know all you've got left is your your last power bar. And, and as as you unwrap it, right, and everyone's eyes kind of go over towards you, you know, do you do you break it in half and kind of pass it out to everybody or do you just shove it in your face and, you know, kind of relish the fact that you were the only one that, that thought ahead? And, or do you demonstrate, again, like that unselfishness sort of mentality? But then the the principles, right, the 11 of them, a little bit trickier and uh, to remember because unfortunately there's not a, a memory aid. <laughs> but again, let's see if, uh, if in addition to all the other stuff I've been learning recently, I remember these as well. So the 11 leadership principles. I always start them off in, in a way to kind of again keep it, you know, easy for me to remember. Uh, with the to me, what the most important was, and, and this and of course varies in person to person. But for me, set the example was the number one leadership principle. So I always start with set the example. If I was gonna have one of these tattooed across my shoulder blades, uh, that would have been it. But again, it's a separate discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so set the examples number one. Again, these are not really in a, in a numbered order. Then there were two about knowledge. Know yourself and seek self-improvement and know your Marines and look out for their welfare. And then there were two about responsibility. Seek responsibility and take responsibility for your actions and develop a sense of responsibility among your Marines. Then there were four kind of quick ones. Be technically and tactically proficient. Keep your Marines informed. Train your Marines as a team make sound and timely decisions. Uh, Again, fairly quick, but again, a lot of weight and power when you just think about like, what does that mean? Keep your people informed, keep your Marines informed again. And I'm going to try to translate them into civilian to, to help folks out, but you know, just, it sounds so simple. Keep, you know, communicate, keep your Marines informed, but how hard can that be to remember what the important information is to, to let your your employees know or to tell your boss to make sure that they're informed about what's going on. So each one of these, again, while quick, uh, it has, again, a wealth of of utility in and of itself. And then the last two, employ your Marines in accordance with their capabilities and then ensure the task is understood, supervised, and accomplished. So a little bit more difficult to kind of rattle off, not quite like JJ did tie buckle, uh, but out of those 11, uh, again, and when you combine the two of them it, it really provides this just an amazing lens a, a means to evaluate assess internal leadership um, as well as externally and it's something that that over the years i i've caught myself kind of like I, I just mentioned with the uh you know with the little you know the the youth league soccer coach or something um where when i think of or you hear about somebody who's regarded, in, especially in the Marine Corps, as just a tremendous leader, I, I started to pull back the traits and principles and say, well, wait a minute, let's see if, if this litmus test really does hold up, if it stands. So you get someone like General Mattis, for example, and when you think about it and you do some research on the individual, you know, kind of outside just what the national media necessarily says, uh, and you look into some of his history and you read some of the, the texts that he talks about and hear some of his speeches, you can see why in, in various vignettes uh, in, in, you know, certainly some of the stuff that he speaks about himself, you know, how there are parts and at times he applies certain traits and puts them, you know, kind of ranks them and, and focuses on them in different capacities and in different situations. Um, and at different times, adapts again to his position in that situation to really strengthen the, the organization that he's part of. I mean, there's times when he was a battalion commander in Iraq um, and, you know, Selflessly putting himself and, and showing physical and moral courage uh, out there, and, and you know, walking the lines with his people, and, and at a time when his his junior Marines were really nervous, and he he helped kind of provide some, you know, he set that example and showed them how to be, cur- you know, physically courageous. There were other times, fast forward, uh, when he was you know either working in the Pentagon or elsewhere, when his moral courage came out, um, and, and his knowledge of of other countries and cultures really. Really shone through and helped him uh, provide guidance to people at various times and in various capacities. That, that again really made his impact far greater than it, that it could have been otherwise. It is interesting, also though, that <laughs> there are times when when I, I've researched certain leaders and, and kind of held this up as a litmus test, and there, there's there's some glaring uh, <laughs> shortcomings again in, in a lot of people. Again, not not for better or worse, and, and or. You know, not necessarily to their detriment, but it, it it wipes away a lot of the the sheen of of either uh, popular culture or you know the, the kind of adoration that we as Marines sometimes fall prey to. You know, when we're looking at like Chesty Puller, for example, um, there were certain certain times in his career where you know maybe he could have used a little bit of counseling and, and somebody could have sat down with him and talked about how he could have worked on on various traits or principles to to improve himself. And quite frankly, he probably did, and somebody probably did because then, you know, from there, you know, they don't really touch on it in the books, but then he grew and and improved in in his skills in one way or the other. Um, So it it ends up being a really interesting set of tools that really help, you know, define and kind of shape uh, an opinion in in a very specific way, you know, about when you're looking at leadership, I guess. Um, You know, I I heard the podcast that you had with uh, uh, Mr. Gary Thompson from Knowles back in July. Uh absolutely amazing. And I and I love hearing, you know, leadership discussions like that, especially from somebody with like him with a you know a, a different take on it. You know, Knowles has got a, a similar but different uh style for teaching leadership. And uh, it, it was really impressive hearing you guys talk about it and kind of hearing what what he would do and the way they approach leadership at Knowles and you know, with you tying it into the Marine Corps um and, and hearing the, the the comparison and the differences and the similarities uh again really enjoyable but it but again it highlights that you know this these these traits the principles uh, it's a method uh, but it's not the only one right like it's a, it's like a set of guidelines um it, it's it's not like a recipe where you and I, you and i both have a recipe we both cook it at our independent houses the end result will still be the same these guidelines right, I, I,
0: I can't just take a you know, take a tough situation and be like, Oh, I need to sprinkle a little bit more tact on top of this. <laughs> and um, Hey, could you run to the store and grab me some bearing? I'm a little bit short on bearing, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, That's it would, exactly it would be nice if it was like that, but this is something that we have to practice. And one of the things that I find, especially as you start to look at, you know, leaders that, that I really, really admire, um, you know, General Conway, uh, General Mattis, Ernest Shackleton, yeah. you can start going down a long list here. They all have this this sort of sense of stoicism and, you know, they're, they're calm in emergencies and, you know, they, they employ a lot of these, a lot of these tacks and, and principles. And as you start to look at leaders, you can think about, okay, which of these is coming through right now? Yeah. And, think- and it's never just
1: one thing. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny too, right? Because when, when you bring up Shackleton, um, there are traits that I would suggest that he kind of deliberately didn't pay attention to. Maybe it wasn't in his character, right? Like when, whenever you read Endurance, I, I never get the feeling that he was enthusiastic, right? Like he, he wasn't like the, the fake motivated like cheerleader ever, like it, was just, And it still worked perfectly because the people he was with in that situation, uh, you know, he encouraged them. He certainly set the example. He, he led them through unspeakable challenges um, successfully. But it wasn't like he was like, you know, making jokes and like, again, trying to encourage them in that regard. Um, similarly, right? Like I think you and I both saw in our time in the Marine Corps that if there was a trait that maybe was discarded the most, uh, probably tact. If uh, (laughs) arguably, right, like that's the Marine Corps is an organization where, uh, you know, the corrections come fast and furious. Um, Sometimes volume is employed, you know, as a means to stress, uh, certainly tact now in my current job, though, is is completely on the other side. Right. Like in uh, and I'm sure when, when guiding people, right, like how you talk to them can be almost as if not more important than what it is you're actually saying.
0: You no, know, I, I agree with that. And there's a lot of guides that whiff on this and I've brought it up recently, but I've had, you know, lots of fishing clients, especially who show up and they're, they're very nervous to, you know, make a mistake or something like that. Cause they feel like they're going to get yelled at. It's like, that's not really the way this, this trip is going to go. Um, you know, we're out here to learn and have fun and whatever. But there's guides that are very, very critical of their clients and, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they lose that tact. Tact is important, very important. And and in every one of my evaluations ever, that was my biggest weakness. And, and, and that's fine. And it doesn't mean that I haven't improved on it. You all, you are always going to have a greatest weakness. Just identify it and work on it.
1: Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, even harder, try to identify when it's imperative and and maybe when it isn't, um, you know, physical courage, uh, in my current job, thankfully, uh, isn't as much of a a necessity, uh, just kind of given the nature of the the job that I have. Um, you don't have to do swim quals anymore. Uh, you know, (laughs) not that are evaluated and the, uh, yeah, the physical fitness tests, uh, Uh, More self-imposed than state did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I I remember swimming being, being kind of one of your physical weaknesses as as well. And I remember you talking about, Hey, I know I've got swim call coming up six months out. I'm going to start getting in the pool, you know, going through all this so that, you know, when I do have that qualification, I can go through and be fine. When I was at the basic school, I failed the swim qualification 23 times. And that was one of the biggest hurdles that I had during that entire school was once a week, I was going to go and literally drown in this freaking pool (sighs) because I had the same flotation ability as a, as a lead (laughs) brick. And, uh, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking, but kept doing it, made it through. And then I think it was like five or six days before, um, before the end of the course, I ended up, ended up making it. and, And, uh, and that was with, a lot of you know honest and tough encouragement from you to do so
1: it's a great example and and that absolutely was the one that i it's kind of my go-to example because you're right uh you and i both my buoyancy level is a full six feet below the surface um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing i ever do will change that uh it is but i've got to fight it to, to be able to pass those swim calls, and it was a you know, just a 20 year requirement that basically gave me an ulcer every time it came up. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know, at the end of the day, know yourself, seek self-improvement like that. That was, you know, for me a way where I, if I knew it was coming, you're exactly right. Like six months out, start getting into the pool, you know, uh, don't just sit there and kind of hope that I would suddenly miraculously float. Uh, I had to do something about it and chart out a plan and stick to the plan. And acknowledge that there were going to be days where I got in the pool and struggled and uh, other days when it would be easier and and again with the goal being of you know the absolute minimum <laughs> to pass plus about you know whatever 2 or 3 seconds then like that was my goal and and that, that's what I did yeah
0: and that that's it that's where we talk about endurance in two different formats so you have mental endurance and physical endurance and mental endurance and and courage are are very, very similar, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. But if you, today uh, that we're recording is October 25th, this podcast is going to come out tomorrow. But eight years ago today, I was executing Operation Helmand Viper 7 or something. I can't remember the, the actual number. Um, but it was the, the toughest mission that I was ever on. There was 30 Marines from my tank company who ended up getting medevaced. Um, Several who were wounded, and there was an Australian commando who was killed. Um, Extremely difficult. And during that mission, I was operating for 70 hours continuously without getting any sleep. And if you want to talk about mental and physical endurance, try and do something hard, physically hard and mentally hard for 70 straight hours, and then do it when you're hurt. Um, so Marines have, uh, or all, all service branches. Um, if, if you're wounded and survive, you call that your, your live day. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I've got two of them. Today's one of them. So this is definitely a day that I look back and think about, um, think hard about leadership because that was a difficult leadership challenge for me. And I'm not saying that I nailed it at all. Like there's a lot that I could have done better, but by the end of this, we were, we were freaking hallucinating, you know, we were seeing stuff that wasn't even there because we'd gone way beyond the, the normal scope of the capabilities of a human being, but we got the job done and we did it by relying on each other and then digging deep and finding these leadership traits within each of us and bringing out what we could so that collectively as a unit, we could accomplish this mission.
1: That that's one incredible, and I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, unfortunate and sad that those Marines and, and the uh, Australian uh, experienced what they did. But I am I'm personally grateful that that you guys got through that and that you're with us today. Definitely definitely happy about that. Um, when you were doing your training leading up to that, then do you think you know? In addition to, I'm, I'm certain probably focusing on technical and tactical proficiency. Uh, the the mental and physical endurance, um, you know, of course, the underlying current of physical and moral courage to make sure that that your your Marines and, and sailors that were with you were prepared to to do things for long periods of time and you know struggle with the 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 mental, um, but were the challenges that is were there? I don't know. How would you, do you mind describing how you kind of went about that?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, I, I did a lot of mission planning for this mission in particular, and there's a old aqueduct system that goes throughout southern Afghanistan called the Kerez system, and there are these underground tunnels that used to carry water, and now they're almost all completely dry, and the tops of them have fallen in, and if you get out uh, Google Earth and you zoom in closely on vast portions of the Helmand province of Afghanistan, you'll see these little pockmarked holes. And some of these holes are huge, as in they can swallow a freaking Abrams tank. Wow! And they are very constricting in where you can actually travel. And the Karez completely dominated our lives there. And it was something that I was mostly unprepared for going over. They dominated us because they're considered civilian infrastructure. So we couldn't target them as, as a military unit, but they were utilized by the Taliban for transport. One, because they couldn't be uh, targeted. And mm-hmm. two, because it functioned really well. It was like a, a subway system. So, you know, oftentimes there's this whack-a-mole thing going on with dudes popping up out of caress holes, firing munitions at you, and then going back down. And they really restricted where you could travel um, in heavy motorized vehicles. And whenever there's restriction in travel, then the predictability of where vehicles is going to go goes up a lot. And if you can predict where a vehicle is going to go, you can put an IED there mm-hmm. and then you can blow up those vehicles and create a complex ambush because now you've stopped a vehicle column where they cannot maneuver. And then you've got these caress holes that you can pop up out of and fire RPGs and mortars and things like that. Um, so when I was doing this mission planning, I was looking at, at where we had to go. I was looking at the units who had attempted this mission before and been turned back units that were much greater strength in numbers than what we were going out there with. And I thought, I'm going to die doing this. There, there's, there's no way that I see myself actually pulling this off. And, you know, I predicted that we were going to have a 70% loss on vehicles and, and, you know, a 20% casualty rate on, on our troops. And, That ended up being pretty close. We actually ended up closer to 30% um, on our casualty rate. Um, But fortunately, uh, none of the Marines were killed. Unfortunately, one of those Australian commandos was killed. So going into this, you know, I was very upfront with my Marines about it, but as far as keeping them informed about what the mission was going to look like, I did reserve what what I thought the actual result of the mission was going to be because I didn't see that as pertinent information to, to accomplishing it. So I didn't go, all right, boys, I don't think all of us are going to come back from this one. Right. i not going to do that. Um, so that is a judgment call. Maybe, maybe they deserve to know that. Maybe they wanted to know that, but my judgment at the time was, was to withhold that, that prediction because it didn't move us t- closer to the objective. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's all kinds of ways that you prepare for these things, but falling back to these fundamental traits and principles is, is incredibly important to achieving success, whether, you know, you're, you're working at, at a restaurant and you're managing, um, some line cooks and some wait staff, or you're trying to execute a really complex military operation in Southern Afghanistan.
1: Exactly right, and I I can't agree with you enough on that one. That, you know it, it, that even just that story there by itself, you know, that kind of reminded me of similar type uh, you know decisions that I made uh, during my own time in Iraq. Uh, there there was one situation very similar where um, noticed a kind of a trend in the reporting. Um, kind of debated whether or not I would you know, explain what was going on to the platoon on top of all the other things that we discussed prior to a convoy and. Uh, then I noticed as as attitudes start to get a little slack uh you know pulled up these three different significant event, like basically reports of, of enemy activity in the area there along the, the this one road going towards Fallujah. um you know and this was at a point where you know kind of halfway through the deployment, you know people were starting to get complacent um you know maybe you know kind of you know sneak in a headphone here and there and listen to music instead of maybe paying attention like they were supposed to be when you're outside of the wire. Um, and, and it highlighted the fact that uh, you know, kind of read off the first event, like, check it out. This one vehicle going along a route received, you know, one round of small arms fire, uh, missed the turret, hit somewhere, you know, kind of on the metal top of the, the vehicle. About two hours later, uh, along the same route, uh, except this time, uh, another vehicle, different convoy, um, received one round of small arms fire. This time it hit the, the turret on the metal on the side of it. Uh, about an hour after that same sort of deal small arms fire one round on a vehicle except to hit the the window right next to the gunner's weapon um and I'm like hey check that out that was that was yesterday um so as you continue to get complacent uh just remember that the people on the other side of the map here that are trying to get us are improving their skills while you know basically targeting Americans driving along this road some of which are who again thought they maybe were being attentive some maybe who weren't uh, but just remember, you know, that what we're doing here is serious. Um, and that was something that I remember at the time debating with my my fellow lieutenants. And, you know, like, oh, you know we're going to try to scare them. Is that the point? It's like, no, just like reminding people about what's going on, you know, and making sure that, you know, that they have the knowledge of the area and the activity that's going on so that they stay focused um, and making, you know, keeping them informed about, you know, the, the potential threats in the area. But again, you're right. You know, that, that while those were both fairly <laughs> thankfully military specific examples, um, you know keeping your people informed I think is one of the most basic things that you know even, even in a civilian job it, is a challenge. Uh, you know keeping making sure folks understand the intent of, of what rules are and, and why those rules have been put into place. you know in some cases cases it might be like a statute like a state law or something and, and then it's, it is what it is. but you know if you have organizational policies, you know, discussing them, sitting down and explaining to somebody what's going on and why that that exists. Um, it, it goes a long way. And, uh, you know, I, I've noticed, you know, the, it's hard to believe been a little over two years since I took off the uniform for the last time. You know, these these traits and the principles continue to resonate and continue uh, you know, to, to remind me of, of what I need to do to, to continue to improve in my leadership development, uh, something that I just don't think ever should stop. No, it
0: shouldn't. And let's talk specifically, like, like, let's give some people some tools on how to keep people informed because it's one thing to say it. And, and we, we, we preface this, like first we're going to teach the words and we're going to talk about it, but it's one thing to say, Hey, keep your folks informed. It's more difficult to figure out how to do that. So, right. you know, we use warning orders. We, we figure out portions of the time available um, between when you know, you get the information to when the information has to turn into actual ex- execution. So, like a a thirty seventy type deal. You want to talk through that?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the the idea behind a warning order, uh, and let's see if I remember. It. It's a, it, technically it's an advanced notice or warning of an order or action to follow. That provides subordinates with the time and information needed to get into a state of readiness. Not sure why I remember that. I feel like you
0: would probably... remember the exact
1: you <laughs> nerd. <verbiage laughs> sure, it was etched in, yeah, somewhere. Unfortunate. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the idea of, of giving somebody a heads up before something happens—you know—that uh, that actually just came up recently. Um, there was a, a requirement that came up at work where you know, in a couple weeks, you know, there, there's an emerging requirement where we have to have a couple people doing something. And it was kind of, well, let's, you know, put that on the to-do list and we'll ask somebody about it, maybe like the day or two prior, you know, we'll try to get a list. And and that was kind of the, the approach that was going to be used. And I thought to myself, you know what? No, like this is, it's two weeks away. It, it might require somebody working on a holiday. Uh, why wait? Like, why not ask? Why not discuss this now with the team so that, you know, if we're looking for a volunteer to help out, you know, after hours, that you know, they're able to think about it and discuss it and say, well, yeah, you know what, that's in a couple of weeks. Like I don't have plans yet. Um, absolutely. I I can volunteer or kind of adjust my schedule to, to meet that timeline. Um, instead of, you know, what oftentimes happens like the day prior, oh, by the way, we need two people to work late tomorrow. And then everyone kind of looks at each other and kind of, you know, quietly looks down at their feet, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> suddenly you have like a, a, a there's a, a challenge and either you're now going to potentially reduce morale by picking somebody and saying, Hey, you've got to do it. Or, you know, someone's got to do it against their will. Or again, thinking through the the holistic approach that that, that individual isn't just an employee. They're also, you know, a parent or a spouse or a son or daughter or a boyfriend, girlfriend, that sort of thing. And so now their, their plans are going to have to change what just, just cause you didn't keep them informed that doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Well, and, and bringing that up reminds me of a time when uh, we were out We're I, uh, okay. I, I remember specifically now we were doing um, fundamentals of the defense. We dug into this, um, this lovely hillside in, <laughs> um, in Centralia and we're waiting <laughs> for an, an imminent enemy attack. <laughs> And you wanted to counsel me on something. And, you know, in my fighting hole that, that I dug, I had a a saw, squad on squad automatic weapon. Um, and I had my rifle and he said, uh, you know, Lieutenant Nash, come here and talk to me a second. And you were like 20 yards away. And I left that, um, that saw in the fighting position came over there and you were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, go get your weapon. And it's like, oh, yeah, I definitely should have done that. And it's like 22 pounds. And, you know, so I go back and get it and come over. And, you know, I'm obviously a little bit frustrated and you're like, look, I'm, I'm tired too. I've got this new baby. He's crying, crapping all the time. You know, we, we haven't slept in a couple of days. Like I haven't slept in a month. You know, we're, we're all tired. You still got to do the right thing. And that really brought in, To me, thinking about what's going on for for my Marines outside of their job, because as an employer or or as a manager, you can really get tied into thinking like, okay, all of my involvement with this person is here at work and that's all that you focus on. But you really have to think about them as as a whole person and everything that's going on in their lives and how that's affecting their performance and how it's affecting your performance in your own life.
1: Absolutely. And and I think when you the the first time that 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 um, that kind of shade is lifted and you start to think, oh, wait a minute, you know, whether it's my Marines, they don't they don't just sit left hand, left knee, right hand, right knee from 1600 until 07 the next day, like they go home and have families, or you know, my employees at work now, like they're they're going through family crises or, you know, successes and new babies and you know, folks are moving and parents are, are getting older and all these different factors. Um, it, it really opens up your eyes to to the reality of like, well, I don't understand why they're not working consistently on a certain thing or or you know, that why they're struggling to do certain things and uh, or why they're just overjoyed one day, right? Like if you don't, you don't even take that human element and look at it and really consider what a major part of of, of who they are that that is, man, you're just missing the boat. Have Have you had, by the way, uh, I'm certain you know in your time, maybe in Afghanistan or or even even more. I'm probably more curious now in in your professional life. Leaders that you've looked to that maybe. Uh, you know, whether it was a trader or principal really kind of stood out as, as being outstanding leaders that you could tie it back to maybe their success in a, with a leadership trader principle.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's, there's coworkers, um, there's other professionals in, in the hunting and gun in- industry that, that I look to, um, for advice on things all the time. And when I'm looking to somebody for advice, it's because I'm looking for their leadership It's not just their knowledge that, that I'm seeking out. Um, It's not just their, their judgment or their tact. I'm, I'm looking at them as a person who, who is a leader, who has all these traits. And I'm saying, okay, this is a person that I can go to because they're going to be able to look at the situation and help lead me through it. So for all those people out there that, that I seek advice from know that I'm doing that because I look at you as a leader. And, and I think that's really important. One of the things within the civilian world that I see as a, as a major pitfall and the thing that I hear employers talk about the most is a lack of dependability in their employees. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would like to hear from you, Mark, how you would define dependability, you know, in both a military and a civilian sense.
1: Absolutely. So I, I think at its most basic, uh, it, it's just the ability to be relied upon. That that if you say you're going to do something, then you are going to do it. Um, similarly, though, and to keep it from being like a zero defect type mentality, um, I, I think there is a well. And if if you're told to do something or if you say you're going to do something, but for some reason you can't, uh, I think a dependable person will will let me know, or I will let somebody know uh, before. That event happens. So, for example, if I'm supposed to work on something and it's supposed to be done by 4 p.m., you know, I'm, I'm not at 3:58 going. Oh, by the way, boss, uh, <clears throat> that's not going to happen today. In fact, it's not going to happen for another <laughs> week. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the, 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 the kind of classic uh, again at, at the basic school, right? When we're, you're getting ready to cross the line of departure uh, or, or start a brief, and, and you're like, "So is, is this going to start when we're supposed to?" And then the, the lieutenant goes, Oh, I, "I think I just need uh, three three minutes." you're like wow 180 seconds is the only that's that's all you need timeline wise to, to be able to <laughs> <laughs> you could have said could I have an extra hour like that would have been a realistic you know amount of time uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. dependability though and again in a military or in a civilian sense it's just the ability to 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 do things that uh, again that you say you're going to do or that that you're asked to do um i think it it, it relates very closely too though uh, to initiative, uh, you know the idea of being able to, to take action or, or do something without guidance. I think if you don't teach your, mar- and again, I hate to say this, but uh, if you don't really develop a sense of responsibility among your your subordinates, your people, um, and if you haven't cultivated um, an acceptance of initiative, then it, it, it quite frankly suppresses the, the growth of dependability uh, in your people. Um, and, and I think part, that's part of the reason that, or part of the reason that that, it, that occurs is that with, when you have a sense of initiative, when you encourage initiative um, in your employees or your coworkers or, or whatever, um, they're aware that if you tell me to do A, well, but A kind of can't happen unless I do B, C, and D. And then really I got to come back and you know, do some other things. Well, wait, nope, I'm not allowed to take initiative. So I may not be able to accomplish that task. Because it's going to require me to use judgment and again do things, and, and then it again it, it reduces their ability to take uh, to be dependable. And then similarly, if you don't develop a sense of responsibility in your your employees or your Marines or people, then uh, then they're not necessarily going to want to to be responsible and to take that initiative. Because again, if, if without that sense of responsibility, they may think you know what you know the boss is the only person who takes responsibility. They say, I don't care. This isn't really my deal anyway um so if it doesn't get accomplished so what um but when they have a sense of responsibility for their actions and are confident that 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 you have talked to them about their judgment and that they can take initiative uh, then they will typically uh demonstrate far greater levels of dependability absolutely and you'll get results that you could not
0: have imagined and this is the number one pitfall that i see from civilian leaders is they have this this thought, well, if you want anything done right, you have to do it yourself. Ugh, and yeah. if, if somebody does something that is not the way you ask them to do it, but it achieves the same result, a lot of civilian bosses get mad about that. As long as the result is achieved and it occurs at the timeline that it had to be achieved on, I'm stoked. So I really try not to tell anybody how to do anything. I tell them what I want it to look like and when I want it to look like that and then give it to them. Mm-hmm. And there's risk involved in that because I'm risking that it, it may, may not work, right? They, they may make mistakes. They may get it wrong. But I hope that if they're struggling, that they can come back to me and be like, hey, I would like some help with this. It's, it's not going right. And that's where you can come in with with your knowledge, your experience, your technical and tactical proficiency and and help them move forward with that. But if you tell somebody how to do something, then you'll never see any creativity from them and they won't develop the sense of ownership that is so important to to making people feel happy and invested in, in the process
1: and, and the product absolutely my my favorite uh statement or or question uh, when somebody comes up and says uh you know hey boss here's a here's a thing uh somebody you know asked for this or we we need to do something here's here's the problem it, just turn around and say what do you recommend and and for folks who've never been asked that who assumed that the boss has to do it himself or otherwise it won't get done right uh they get taken they're taken aback a little bit and and i've you know seen people that are far more experienced than I was, they kind of get flustered and say, well, <clears throat> um, can I get back to you about that? I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Like if it's, it's, I'm glad that we identified the problem. I'll give you 180 seconds. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> take take as much of this minute as you want <laughs> to think about it <laughs> and to provide me a sound and timely decision. Um, yeah, it, it, exactly though. to, to let, It leverages experience. It highlights that you're, that you, you know, that you want people to provide input and that you respect their opinions and their knowledge bases. And, um, you know, that that's a major part also of training people as a team and making sure that, that everyone has a voice, that their experiences, and I don't even just mean their professional experiences in many cases, right? Because, you know, we, especially in the Marine Corps, right, we had so many folks from all over the country, you know, with such diverse backgrounds that would have the most creative ideas, you know, that... You're in a stressful combat environment and then your new PFC barely looks like he could shave, like suggest something like that. Everyone kind of like stops and looks over and they're like, wow, yeah, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Like great idea, great you know, great suggestion. And then, you know, that young man or woman is like beaming because like, holy cow, everyone listened and, and, and took in their, their idea uh, that, that if you just, if you crush initiative, if you don't ask people for their opinions, you know, again, you don't, yeah, develop responsibility and it's just your organization won't be as, as, uh, as strong as it could be yeah, or capable for that matter. Uh, your, your employees, your team won't be living up to their full potential. And yeah, just, again, kind of missing the boat on a lot of opportunities. I think
0: easily the most terrifying of the leadership principles is seek responsibility and take responsibility for your actions. <laughs> They just kind of flop that one out there. It's like, really? Like, (laughs) you want me to do both of those things at the same time? Yes. Yes, uh, that is. Mm. And if you have any aversion to risk, then that one is not going to help you. (laughs) Because that is all about risk. It's like, hey, go look for something that you can take responsibility for. And then however it goes, own the result. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly like, right are like you that, kidding
0: it, me <laughs> oh,
1: oh, that that's that's a very very challenging one you're right and and both i mean I, really that was challenging in the military just as well as it is in the civilian sector um I, I have i had a boss in particular that i can i think back to fondly during my four years in japan and that like that was his thing like he encouraged folks to take responsibility and see, or seek responsibility and take responsibility for their actions and and when i was his operations officer uh it, it was incredible to watch. And uh, th- there were numerous times, though, where I'd frantically call and be like, uh, hey, sir, I need to give you a heads up on something real quick. Here, here's what's going to go. <laughs> there's, there's like a really good chance that so-and-so or you know, this guy or that guy is going to call you and they're going to be outraged. And I, here's the reason why. Here's our side of it. Here's why it benefits our organization and why it's absolutely, you know, it, it's not unsafe, immoral or unethical. I mean, he'd laugh and be like, got it, Mark. No problems. I appreciate the heads up. And if, uh, if anybody calls, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Like that is the, uh, that's the, the blindfolded walking towards the cliff one um, that, that I think makes people's palms sweat more than anything. Definitely challenging. And, and you're right too, right? When to develop responsibility, You know, and that ties into, I think that one sets the example, you know, when you do that, when you're seeking responsibility and taking responsibility for your actions, you're showing your employees, you know, I I want you to later on develop a sense of responsibility. I want you also to own this in the same sense that I am. And, And I think that can't be done without showing your successes and your failures, quite frankly. I mean, there's plenty of times that I've got my hands slapped for something, um, and, you know, I mean, the, the options are got it, stop, stop that and just never do it again and kind of, you know, go back into your shell and kind of quietly lick your wounds and, you know, and mumble to yourself or chalk it up to experience. Okay. I'm in this organization, in this context, in my current job, um, this is that now I understand that a little bit better, maybe where my boundaries are and, uh, and where my, you know, my boss in, in whatever capacity uh, uh, is okay with me doing or not doing. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And and if you're on the leadership side of this, then you need to be the one who is willing to allow people to make mistakes and to have failures in order to get them to grow as people and grow their capabilities. Because if, if somebody does that, if they take the initiative to go do something and they use the best of their judgment and the best of their knowledge, and they do it wrong and the result goes badly. You need to be able to bring all of your tact to the table, <laughs> and uh, and really help them through that. Because if you're really harsh and critical of them, it is the rarest of people who will go out and
1: and ever seek that responsibility again. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and, and not only in, in your interactions, but you know, oftentimes, um, you know. Your boss, your boss's boss, or in this case, if like if one of my employees, if I am encouraging them to take, you know seek responsibility and take responsibility, and they take the initiative and do something, and it backfires, there is always the chance that you know my boss might hear about it and you know may have an issue, and then it's well, do I step back and go, oh yeah, I don't know what he or she was thinking, I don't know where that came from, and, and let them totally catch the flack for it. Or, or do I step in and say, no, well, this is, this is why this is the intent behind it. And this is why we're still moving in the right direction and, you know, professional development and learning and those sorts of things. But you're right, like very, very risky. Uh, but the reward from that, from, from having folks that, that understand and see things uh, that, that take responsibility and have that sense of ownership in any organization uh, is absolutely priceless. Um, and, and when you have that and when it's going well, man, like that's, it's good to see. It's fun to be a part of an organization like that. Oh, it's awesome. And if you screw something up, which
0: I I hope that everybody does, because that means that you're going out there and you're trying things, take a deep breath and go and tell somebody about it because bad news does not get better with time. (laughs) Absolutely. You don't want the person who's in charge of you hearing about the mistake you made from somebody else. Like you, you, you don't want it going that way. So, literally, just go, <gasps> man, okay. <laughs> and you pick up the phone and be like, hey, heads up. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is what I did. This is what it looks like now. This is my plan to fix it. Exactly.
1: Right. Those are the, the, the key components. And I'm far too practiced on having to make those phone calls myself. So. <laughs> so that's exactly right. Here's how quickly it can be, you know, and kind of the overall impact to our organization or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and another one, speaking of, of the kind of risk in, in the sweaty palms, there's another one that, that I think gets overlooked or or I think ends up causing a lot of heartache too. Um, you know, ensuring a task is understood, supervised and accomplished. This, this is one that, you know, in, in different organizations that I've been part of, you know, when you see, even if it's a little bit of a hiccup or a, you know, kind of a, an, oh, I got to call the boss because something didn't happen the way it was supposed to. I've, I've found that, you know, while, while I try to say, well, maybe I'm not keeping people informed, you know, was somebody's knowledge base, not strong enough, you know, to we not, you know, kind of train them in the right way that that one is usually the one where I failed, you know, whether it's, I didn't explain a task properly, um, where I didn't make sure it was supervised. And that, that doesn't mean micromanaged at all. That, that's, it's certainly a, a very different thing. Um, but just to, to make sure that you have the follow-up to make sure that whatever is is being done gets done, and that could just be something, hey, hey, text me as soon as it's done, or, or you know, could could I see the reports, you know, three days before they're due, just so I can review them appropriately and and make sure they're done to the right standard, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, and, and when you don't do that one, when you when you fail to ensure the task is understood, supervised, and accomplished, then invariably what will happen is the end result will be a product or a, you know an action that is not what you wanted and is not kind of keeping with the intent of what you were trying to do. And then it becomes, you know, as many of us have found, well, I'm going to check it, you know, an hour or maybe even like 10 minutes before the brief is supposed to go or before we're supposed to cross the line of departure. And then it's an issue. And then you have to scramble. And now people are jumping through hoops to create new things or do different stuff uh, when, when really just staying engaged and supervising would have made a world of difference. Um, I'm sure also in, in guiding you've, you've probably seen that, uh, maybe even been the victim of it yourself with, uh, you know, inspecting and, you know, ex- inspecting what you expect. Yeah. And you kind of
0: fall into this trust, everybody inspect everything type deal. And even like two nights ago, my, uh, my, my stepbrother has a couple of buddies from the Navy here in town and they're going into the back country on their first like real deal hunt. So they're going elk hunting in the wilderness. It's cold out. They've got backpacks on. It's a tough hunt. And I looked at this dude's pack and it was huge, right? Huge pack. And I said, Hey, let's shake this thing out and see what you need. And after he had his pack emptied, I was like, hold on a second. And I went and I checked every single one of his pockets in his pack. And I was like, this is, uh, this is very reminiscent of some older times. (laughs) But no, inspection is great. And once you're comfortable with yourself, you can really invite that from other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I just call it a sanity check now. So whenever I put any, any type of list together, any type of a plan, and I've gone through it three times and I feel like it's as dialed in as I can get it. I will reach out to, you know, one of these fellow leaders and be like, Hey man, sanity check. Let me run you through this real quick. And yeah. I'll be like, okay, you know, you, you missed this. You need to add that, whatever.
1: And, and it's great too, right? Cause when that happens, you're like, Oh, thank goodness that we've identified this now instead of right when we get to 12,000 feet and we're, you know, 15 clicks in. And then I'm like, Oh, that's right. I don't have that. Yeah. You brought three
0: pairs of these and zero pairs of that
1: yeah <laughs> whoops
0: <laughs>
1: whoops right <laughs> exactly exactly and you know a lot of this too right like as i i kind of think over the the traits and the principles right they man Every one of these, it, it it points back at setting the example, right? It points back to uh, having the ability to say, I want you to check me because I want to make sure that I'm doing things right. I want to to make sure that you are taking the initiative so that I, because I'm going to take the initiative and I want to, again, show you the right way to do it. I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. I'm going to continue to to, to kind of push my, my knowledge. I'm going to make sure that I'm studying and constantly try to seek new things to improve upon just like I want you to do. Um, which is part of the reason why again I I always lead with set the example because those three words, man, have got me to do so much that I didn't want to do, right? Like whether it's I know I need to wake up at two in the morning to go walk the lines to make sure that everyone's awake on the this defensive position, right? I don't want to do that. I want to stay in the bag because it's (laughs) cold out. (laughs) But I know it's the right thing to do. Ah, All right, well then let me let me go you know wake up and get my boots on and you know do whatever i need to do and you know or or again right like it's it's a uh i know that i i've got a new job and i know that there are some very specific you know uh statutes that i have to learn to understand this reading legal ease is not enjoyable but it's the right thing to do. I need to set the example and make sure that I'm not just going, well, I don't know what the law says, I don't know, what do you think? Like, I need to stick my nose in and read it and highlight and learn because it's the right thing to do. It, regardless of, of, of what the profession is, regardless of, of the task at hand, You know, I, I think when you, if you look at set the example, it, it can, for, for a lot of people, kind of clearly point you in a path to do the right thing which I know can be subjective, but at least for me, you know, it's kind of a combination of the knowledge and, you know, I mean, quite frankly, even like my gut to tell me like, this is the right thing to do. And then I, you know, feel typically pretty guilty for about an eighth of a second. And then I start doing it because if I'm not, then I, by God, I need to because the people I'm leading deserve somebody that's going to set the example, just like I did once upon a time, just like all of us now kind of, you know, deserve someone that's going to set the example and whatever that means. Right. Like, again, regardless of the capacity and setting the example,
0: I want to point out goes both ways. So no matter what example you set, your subordinates will follow it. So absolutely, if you set yeah. a bad example, <laughs> they're going to follow
1: that, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, it's a great point. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, every time you you overlook a rule. Uh, You're, in effect, creating a new standard. And that new standard is the example that they're going to emulate. And then, uh, again, regardless of your behavior or your professionalism or or whatever, you're absolutely right. I I got a question, though, in regards to the the traits, have you ever thought out of the the 14 leadership traits, um, you know, what maybe is missing from the list? I was actually just going to bring this up because 10 years ago
0: was the first time that you and I went over this. And the trait that you thought needed to be added to the list at that time was anticipation. Is that still the trait that you would add or, or have you moderated that?
1: You know, I I think anticipation, um, man, that is a good one. I don't know though, recently, you know, thinking about the list, there's actually three that I think probably could get added, um, or at least in my own my capacity now, I, I think I try to to incorporate them a little more aggressively. Um, anticipation, absolutely. And I guess probably I, I haven't formally added that one to the list just because it's such a given that, you know, an, an imperative. Um, but really the, the three I think about nowadays that kind of resonate. Um, one, uh, humor, kind of a sense of humor. Um, you know, it's not on there. And it doesn't necessarily mean, again, that, uh, you know, we're constantly talking, you know, making jokes and stuff or, or being inappropriate and that sort of thing. Uh, but but remembering at the end of the day that, that we can get lost in our seriousness. Um, and if if there's, you know, kind of amusing situations that come up, whether it's if it's an extremely stressful time or a physically demanding time, you know, a, a little bit of humor can go a long way. And kind of bringing everybody out of a funk and back to a, a you know a um, a mentality of, of focus, uh, focus on the mission, focus on what they're doing. Uh, maybe pull them out of their their self pity. Uh, if you're on again like a long movement or again it's a late night and you know things are going on that maybe you weren't you weren't expecting. Uh, a little bit of humor can really help build some resiliency um, in, in a staff. Um, Another one uh, that I, I think would add, I would add is humility. Uh, again, not on there normally and, and really isn't kind of alluded to in any of the current traits. Uh, I think as Marines, um, maybe it, it almost sounds like that's an oil and water thing to, to suggest yeah, humility. Yeah, might be asking too much. <laughs> yeah, and, and certainly, uh, you know, I've known plenty of leaders who uh, who didn't have a shred of humility that were still really good <laughs> leaders. <laughs> um but I, I think in my own in my own world, something I, I try to incorporate is humility because it, it drives me to remember that, you know, it, you know, the people I'm working with, they all bring amazing things to the table. Uh, everyone's got different backgrounds and experiences, and and just because I have a set of experiences under my belt. doesn't mean that I have the definitive ones. It doesn't mean that I've gone through or have learned more or done more than other people. And I mean, it's different certainly than than a lot of my coworkers right now have. But um, I think remembering that that the work that they've done to get where we are all now on part of the same team is quite frankly, absolutely as valuable as the stuff that I've done. If not, again, depending on the, the specific technical nature of it, even more so in some cases um so i think that helps me you know ask more questions as i try to re- retain humility and 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 try to think you know well i don't have all the answers but i know somebody who knows a lot about that and you know by god i'm willing to ask them you know hey what are your thoughts on that and and trying to to draw from the the individuals that i work with and then lastly uh compassion uh something that that we touched on earlier you know recognizing Everybody's carrying a different pack with a different load in it. Um, And that while today, you know, my pack might be especially light and, you know, I I woke, got some good sleep last night and had a good run this morning and man, I'm feeling, you know, top of my game and everything's perfect. Uh, There's probably at least one person, you know, within shouting distance who's not, and and then maybe is going through something far more challenging than I could imagine and, and trying to, to remember that a little bit of compassion goes a long way in understanding what that you know the, the goal isn't to go from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and just you know burn everybody and as you know and push as hard as you can and get as much accomplished and you know really you know kind of whip people into accomplishing stuff like that's not the goal at all. It's 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 something a lot longer term and and you know that, that addressing and, and being aware of even even a little aware of the fact that that people are going through different things at different times uh, can help you be just a, a more effective leader, a more supportive leader. Um, and you know, it, it goes back to like in the Marine Corps, right? Like there were times when uh, I knew people that had some, some family things going on and you know put in for leave and were told like leave. Like you want to take leave, but we're going to the field that week. <laughs> this is the, the one week this month, we're going to be in the woods and you want to be in on leave. Like, don't you realize how important it is for us to go lay in the snow and face outboard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, but my child is in the hospital. And it's like, ah, uh, like the whole discussion becomes so incredibly silly as soon as you realize that it's like, well, yeah, you know, the, the spouse, the family, like those family needs, that's what what's gonna be remembered in five, 10 years, like the this one four-day field operation, while important in its own right, like, you know, just being aware that it might not be the most important thing that that individual has going, uh, again, can really help, I think, um, inspire and make your organization much more effective from a leadership point of view. But what about you?
0: Well, compassion is, is the one that I was going to add. And it's definitely one that, that I learned from you with, uh, with a couple examples, but an example that I'll give for, for how I actually put that to work. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by knowing that, you know, that this, this brief story I'm about to tell is a tough one to tell, but in the last, um, the last field training mission that we had before deploying, um, we're on like the, the last day of it. Okay. It's, it's a main event. This is the, this is the assault, everything that we've been leading up to my, my gunner, who is an incredibly important person in a tank platoon because he runs my tank for me while I communicate with everybody else. Basically, he's a, he's a super important guy. I need him, need him bad. He got a call from the field that his wife was going into labor with their first kid. And he's like, Hey, can I, can I bounce out of here? And I was like, yes, absolutely. But there was definitely a big part of me that was like, man, I really need you right now. Um, and I wanted, part of me wanted to say no, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be like eight hours or whatever. Like, right. Right. Can you wait? But I was like, no, get out of here. Go. Okay. Um, we finished that. We went on our pre-deployment leave. We deployed, And, uh, two weeks later he was killed. All right. He got to know his daughter for not even three weeks. And, and that was the only time in the world that she had with him. And will she remember that? No, certainly not. Um, his, his wife will, his wife will remember that he got to be there when, when his daughter was born and You know, you can get really tied up with with what's going on in the mission, but if you don't have compassion and and think about the situation from their perspective, like if it was me, you know, I would ask, I'd be like, Hey, you know, can I get out of here? My wife is about to have our firstborn kid. Um, That's way more important than whatever else is going on. So you just have to have that compassion. Think of it from their perspective, take the larger look and and you really don't know how important that can
1: end up being later on, right? No, that and that's, yeah, you hit it right on the head. Uh, there, and it goes back to what we were talking about also about risk, right? Because when you when you have your gunner go home, I mean, now somebody else has got to pick up the slack, or you with your tank are going to have somebody different or new that maybe isn't clearly as you know tested or 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 experienced or you know familiar with everybody else in the the tank. Um, that, sure. absolutely. And,
0: and, and, the, and this is going to sound calloused, but realistically, that was good. Realistic training for me is like, okay, now I no longer have my gun or how does this work? We shift things around. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we're in Afghanistan. I'm in that same, same situation. You know, now I have to, mm-hmm. now I have to function in the way that we were training, um, So that's really important. And that's something that you brought up in training, like let your dudes go on leave because combat loss is a real thing. So if you can't function without them in training, then if you lose them in combat, how will you be able to function? Then you need to figure it out. And this is a good opportunity for you and the rest of your unit to, to learn, to adapt to that. And to train
1: your Marines as a team. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, that's something that, that also, again, uh, very applicable to the civilian world. Um, I've had folks, you know, in the last couple of years ask to take leave and, and then quickly follow it up with a, well here, you know, I know there's, it's a busy time where it's not an ideal time, but here's kind of the, you know, the, the reasons. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, of course. Like take, you know, you've got like one, because I know that you've trained your subordinates to do your job and you train your, your, you know, kind of section as a team. I know that there's re- redundancy. Um, I know that at the end of the day, if if something crazy urgent happens, and this has happened to me even fairly recently, where someone's gone on leave and then there something popped up where it was unexpected, but it was like, oh man, you know, the, the next person, it was such a rare occurrence that they really weren't trained to do this. Um, but th- guess what? Like that's an amazing training opportunity then. And suddenly, you know, we worked through it together. And, and when the individual came back from leave uh, and was like, "What happened? Oh no, I missed that. Are you serious?" Uh, we're like, yeah, yeah. yeah." But no, it's like, it's cool. Like we, we figured it out. Probably it wouldn't have been nearly as stressful (laughs) if you were here. And it certainly, I'm sure didn't look as pretty as it would have if you'd been here, but, uh, like how great it, we we got it through and we did it and it it worked out. Like, you know, you took care of what you wanted to on leave and that was great. And we got the opportunity to, to kind of figure it out and work through it from scratch. And, uh, like we're all better for it. So like the world turned, um, and, and they were able to that individual was able to you know hit a significant familial milestone um, that I think again sticking around would wouldn't really made a lot of sense but it, it's interesting how that you know the idea of compassion uh, it can really yeah it really it, it proves its worth as well well and
0: if if you get wrapped around the axle with with any of this and you feel like your current problem is is overwhelming, I want you to go back and, and listen to my uh, astronomy podcast just real quick and okay. take a little bit of a picture about how big the old universe is <laughs> and, uh, and then think about your problem again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a great
0: point. Absolutely. So you brought up and the world turns. So that's what, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me. yeah, because it sure does. Well, as the world turns, what's next for you? Um, you're, you're in the world of politics now
1: from a, from a state, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and to be clear, not like a, an elected type position at all, like working in the state government. Um, so in, in that regard, yeah. Kind of a, you know, I guess bureaucrats, I guess the technical term for it <laughs> seems old, old fashioned, but, uh, I mean like a government <laughs> worker, right. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I, I just, uh, I moved into a new position. It hasn't been quite a week. It was actually this past Monday. So, you know, the uh, poof, the, the internal churn of, okay, what knowledge do I need to gain? How can I improve myself like that? Those are all easy questions, you know, that know yourself, seek self-improvement. Okay. All I have to do is, is stick my nose into a certain chapter of the revised statutes here in Nevada and uh, learn all of those and, you know, new people and new functions and new capacities and, um, and, and those sorts of things that, that maybe again, in a, couple of weeks or months we could talk about <laughs> separately um, but yeah it's a uh, you know things at least in the way ahead an exciting couple of weeks ahead of us I think as a nation um, again however it turns out uh, again hopefully people remember that that as Americans were like all in this together um, and hopefully again these uh, you know the discussion about the traits and the principles you know certainly help provide a, a lens. Uh, for anybody that's interested in, you know, kind of considering, you know, again on that mosquito board, you know, or, or you know, or, or what other I don't know if you guys vote for your mosquito boards <laughs> or not, like we do, um, or, or your general improvement districts. But you know, as as folks are looking at the ballots and, and thinking about, you know, who they want to to put their vote and cast their vote for, um, hopefully these things help. Uh, or quite frankly, if if someone isn't interested in voting in politics. Uh, and is, is just merely interested in, in developing, de- continuing to develop themselves as a leader. Again, be that the leader of their family or in their professional capacity. Yeah, hopefully this, uh, hopefully these help. And quite frankly, if anybody reaches out and is interested in discussing these things further, poof, I'd love to. How do they get hold of you? <laughs> uh, tell you what, if, if it's uh, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately lacking in social media. Um, if they can figure out how to spell my last name, then by all means, uh, you know, track me down <laughs> on <laughs> Instagram or Facebook. Um, you know, or if they reach out to you for that matter, um, you know, please pass along my email info and, uh, I, I will always find time to talk to somebody about leadership and leadership development. I absolutely love it. Uh, cause I, you know, man, I, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but, uh, you know the, the picture of me, you know, a couple of weeks after boot camp, it was for a long time that was my reminder that I would look at and think, when I was 18 and just got out of Paris Island, my goodness, like it, it, the leadership development that that kid had in front of him was a long, you know, challenging road. Um, but but through the efforts of others, uh, through some very patient mentors <clears throat> and maybe some not so patient mentors over the years. Um, uh, I've been able to again achieve a, a modicum of success um, in, in certain capacities and uh, I'm absolutely willing to to help others or, or at the very least share what i'm uh, I'm aware of. I, I don't have all the answers by stretch the imagination, but um, I, I can certainly kind of help discuss things which you know quite frankly will ultimately help strengthen my own leadership development too
0: well i'm I'm grateful for your time here today. I'm eternally grateful for the leadership lessons that, that you've instilled that, uh, that I carry th- and will continue to carry through my entire life. And I want to wrap this up, um, with just going through the traits and principles one more time, and I'm going to sure. take on the traits and I'm going to give the principles to you. <laughs> okay. So the leadership traits are justice, judgment, dependability, integrity, decisiveness, tact, initiative, endurance, bearing, unselfishness, courage,
1: knowledge, loyalty, and enthusiasm. Perfect. And the leadership principles, uh, set the example, know yourself and seek self-improvement, know your Marines and look out for their welfare or know your people and look out for their welfare, seek responsibility and take responsibility for your actions, develop a sense of responsibility among your people or your Marines, be technically and tactically proficient, keep your people informed, train your people as a team, make sound and timely decisions, employ your unit in accordance with its capabilities, and ensure the task is understood, supervised, and accomplished. It is as easy as that, folks. Follow, <laughs> these,
0: follow yeah. these, these simple steps, and That's you too can be a great leader. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All righty, sir. Well, thank you again. Please give my best to your family, and, uh, and good luck
1: moving forward. Thank you very much. It was absolutely a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. This episode was edited by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Artwork for the Six Ranch podcast was created by John Chatterlin and digitized by Celia Christofferson. If you enjoyed the show, I encourage you to share it with a friend and subscribe. You can find photos and more content on Instagram at Six Ranch podcast. I'll catch you next week.